Welcome to Legacy Podcast. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy this message. I, I really feel like that Psalm 55 has something to speak to us today. And I'm going to read the whole chapter of Psalm 55. I, this message really was born out of a time in my life that I went through that I, I felt a little bit maybe like David felt in Psalm 55. And, um, and I wanted to share that with you this morning. I've preached around this before on some of the content of this chapter uh, but this morning, I hope that maybe that I can bring it a little more, uh, bring a little more life to it with you and for you today. And maybe you can identify a little bit, maybe of some things in your life that maybe you've been through, through some of the things that David had to go through. So if I talk about myself a little bit today, please, uh, please just help me with that, or I may or may not. It just depends on how I go in my service or how my, my message tends to go this morning. I never really know what I'm going to say till I get up here and get going. And, uh, but Psalm 55 is close to my heart, and uh, I feel like David was going through some things there. And, and um, if you are on Twitter or Facebook, you probably saw that the title of my message today is The Pressure of Brokenness. The Pressure of Brokenness. Have you ever been broken before? You ever just feel like everything in your life's broken? Relationships, emotionally, maybe financially, maybe whatever it might be. But you, we, we all go through places and times in our lives to where we feel uh, broken and brokenness in our lives. And then uh, alongside that comes a lot of pressure with that. Comes some pressure with that, trying to get things figured out, trying to, wondering why this happened or why that happened in my life and and uh, it really sometimes really takes a toll on, on us emotionally. You know that I talk about oftentimes, I say often, from time to time, I talk about the four quadrants of life and our physical Q, our, our PQ, our IQ, our SQ, and then our EQ. I, I really, really feel like that in our EQ, our emotional quotient of life, that oftentimes, and, and I'm not going to belabor this point, but oftentimes in our emotional quotient of life that we oftentimes can be unhealthy in those areas of our lives. And so I want, to, I want us to be healthy, you know, and, and whenever I go back to 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23 where the scripture says, Paul's talking there and he says that we are made up of spirit, soul, and body. We're not just spiritual beings. We have a body. And, you know, we have a soul as well. And we need our soul healthy. Soul, seat of reasoning, the place that we bring in that data and how we, how we begin to analyze that. And, and I promise you, you're going to analyze the things in your life, how they come to you of, of maybe some of the things that you've had to go through in the past. We begin to see through a lens. Are you listening? We begin to see through a lens of things that we've been through in our past. And if we don't watch ourselves, if we've been stuffing and stuffing and stuffing emotional issues in our lives, that whenever we go through something, we think that those emotional things have been put to rest or maybe we've even forgiven people and we, maybe we have and legitimately have, but those old feelings and emotions will rise again because of some of the things that we're going through in our circumstances of life. And so our EQ, our, our emotional quotient of life really does, it's, we are spiritual beings. You hear me say this often, we are spirits. We are a spiritual being. We will live forever. We have a soul and we live in a body. We are spirit beings. We have a soul and we live in a body. And I want you to know that you are an eternal being. You're an eternal being. These old fleshly bodies will not live for eternity, but we are eternal in our spirit. Our soul will live forever. So I want to talk to you today a little bit about maybe the, the case of your soul and how you think and maybe how that you process things. And, and that can certainly be determined uh, of whether we've dealt with some of the issues of life from our past. Uh, 
But let's look at Psalm uh, 55 today. David writing in Psalm 55. And he begins to talk and he says this. He says, give me... Give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me, and I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. What David's saying is, God, I'm frustrated. Anybody have ever been frustrated? Living for God. Frustrated. All right, all right, all right, all right. And then he goes in verse number 3 and he says, Because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked... For they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me, and my heart is severely pained within me. And the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander off and remain in the wilderness. I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and tempest. Destroy, O oh Lord, the div- and divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls in iniquity and in trouble. Are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in the midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. For it is not an enemy who reproaches me. Then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me, who has exalted himself against me then I could hide from him. But it was you, a man my equal, my companion, and my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together and walked to the house of God in the throng together. Let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. As for me... I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon I will pray and cry aloud, and He shall hear my voice, and He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many against me. God will hear and afflict them, even He who abides from of old, because they do not change. Therefore, they do not fear God. He has put forth his hands uh, he has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter. But war was in his heart, and his words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved, but you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you. You think David had some issues? (laughs) I think David had some issues going on. I think David had some frustration going on. I think David was mad. I think there was a lot of stuff going on in his heart that he's trying to say, now God, I need some help to get through this because if it had just been anyone, I may have been able to deal with it. But it wasn't just anyone. It was that one. And we find that if you go back into 2 Samuel in chapter number 15 through chapter number 18, and that's your homework for today, is to read those few chapters that we'll find that those that he's talking about here is Othophel and his son Absalom. 
Othophel was his best friend. He's, what he was saying is, is that me and Othophel, we, we had went to the house of God through the throng. In other words, through all of the people that we had walked through. I as king, we had walked through as friends. We had walked to the house of God with all of the people surrounding us. You were my friend. You were one that I looked at as for counsel and one of my, my best warriors. You were, you were my friend. You were one that stood beside me. I thought when everyone else wouldn't stand, that you would stand. And then none the other, my own son, my own son Absalom is after the throne. He's after everything that I have. He's after the kingship. He's after my place in you, God. I, I could deal with most anyone else, but not these Anybody feeling me yet? Uh, because it's these. I can deal with the others, but it's those that I didn't expect it from. Come on, somebody. It's those that I didn't think would do it that did it that really got me in a place now I don't know how I'm going to deal with it. Because now I'm in a place that I, I feel like sometimes that I, I can get over it, but then I get thrown back into that old place and I'm, I'm down and I'm out and I don't know how to deal. My emotions get to running rampant. You know, there's something that I have found to be so true in our lives and, and I love this about great leaders. I, I'm a, I study and read great leaders oftentimes, needless to say biblically, but elsewhere as well. And the one thing that I've noticed about great coaches in the world is, is that great coaches, if you are going to be a great leader, you will, never, you will never obsess on the win. You will always obsess on the progress to the win. Because it is the progress. It is the progress. It is the process. It is the process. It is the process of life. It is the journey of life that gets us to the place that we win. It's not the win itself. How do, how do you coach to win? How do, you, how do you live to win? Tell me how that works. How does that work for you? I'm living to win. How do you win? How do you live to win? That's impossible. You live to process, to grow, to progress. And in the progression of life, you find yourself getting into a place that whenever things come your way, battles come your way, you win because you are sanctified. You are, you are in a place that you can now carry the promises and the, and the fight. You can bring the battle to the enemy. And whenever you get into the heat of the battle, you're no longer overcome with the battle, but you overcome the battle. Why? Because you're in a place in your life. Life that you can be an overcomer. We are overcomers by what? By the word of our testimony and by the what? By the blood of the lamb, by the blood of Christ that shed on the cross. Guys, I want you to know this morning that if you're not dependent on Christ and plead his blood, oftentimes you're not going to be an overcomer. It's not about just a God. It's about the God. It's not just about the world. It's about my life in Christ in this world. I, I'm, I'm processing. I'm progressing. I'm getting to a place that God can use me even in the tough times. Even when it's Absalom. Even when it's Othophel. Even when it's those that shouldn't be doing me wrong that have. Now I'm still strong enough. Still capable. Still ready. Still able to do God what you've called me to do. I've, I've walked the place of sanctification, never to be sanctified totally, but walking in the place to becoming more like Christ. Come on, somebody. Christian burnout. I was thinking about this this week, and I just, I told my wife, and, and I, I, I think it was on Monday, and she taught on Wednesday night, gave me, a, gave me a little breather on Wednesday night, did a great job on Wednesday night, and talked about really the fundamentals of prayer and what prayer looks like, and some of you asked for some of the notes as well as the, the prayer wheel. It's out there at the Connect Center. You can pick that up if you'd like. And, 
And as she was teaching, there were some things that she was talking about, about prayer that began to sort of rummage through my mind a little bit. And, you know, as a preacher, as a speaker, you, you oftentimes, when somebody else is speaking, man, you're starting to, you're, you're getting a message, man. You're, I mean, you know, you're ready to preach. When they get done, you want to preach again, you know. And so uh, she was talking about prayer. And this gentleman that had texted me on Monday was the gentleman who told me this some time back. And, and we were talking one day, and he said, Jeff, prayer is like rooms. And he said, you walk into one room of prayer, maybe that's just praise, and you praise until you've praised everything that you can think about praising God with and for in that room. And then when you walk out of that room into another room, maybe that's intercession. Maybe you start praying for someone else and you start interceding for others. And when you've interceded for everybody that you can think of, you walk out of that room into the next room. And in that next room, maybe it's another portion of prayer. That room, you've got to find every corner and pray everything that you can in that corner of that prayer. But it's that man that began to open up to me the understanding of how really to pray for any time at all, other than just lay me down to sleep, God cover me if my soul you keep, whatever that little prayer we pray as children. Been a long time for me from since a child's prayer. But he's tweeted me this week, or actually sent me a message this week, and this is what he said to me. And I want you to think about this because I want to ask you, do you have someone in your life that prays for you? It's probably been 15, 16 years ago, I guess. been some time. My wife could tell you. It was on my birthday on June the 29th that this man laid his hands upon me and he began to pray for me and he spoke to me and he said, I'm going to pray for you as long as I live. Some of you might know him. His name is Kenneth Phillips. His son's Randy Phillips, Phillips, Craig, and Dean. This is his daddy, Kenneth. He prayed for me that day and he, as he began to pray for me, he looked at me and he said, I'll pray for you until I die. And I said, okay, and this week, just out of the blue, hadn't spoke to him in years. Hadn't spoke to him in years. And he, and, he, and he messaged me this week, and he said, I just want to remind you that I told you when I met you for the very first time that I would be praying for you. And he said, I have not missed one day since I told you that I would pray for you. And there was something, honest to God, I want you guys to know this. When I say this is someone about me, it really is someone about me because, because we all have life and we have issues and life is life and life is life is life is life is life and it happens to us all, right? And, and, and something just sort of churned in me whenever, whenever he said that and I thought to myself, you know what, thank God, thank God that somebody that doesn't speak to me every day that I'm not in, in contact with every day is praying for me every day. And he said, Jeff, he said, I have at my home, and he sits in his chair in his home, in his prayer chair. There's a long line of prayer chair people, and if you're not one of them, you need to be one of them. What are you trying to tell me, Pastor? I'm telling you, you need a prayer chair. Get your prayer chair. Do I have to get hostile with you? <laughs> get your prayer chair. And he said, every day in that chair, whenever I'm sitting there, he said, on my, on my louver blinds, he said, every one of those little blinds, he said, I, there's, that's a person, that's a family. And he said, I'll hold that blind and I'll pray for that until I pray everything I know to pray for that person. Then I'll go up to the next one and I'll pray for every, everything I know to pray for that person. And he said, Jeff, you're one of my blinds. He told me that years ago. And then whenever he said that, he said, I just want you to know that you're one of my blinds in my house by my prayer chair. And so every day he begins to hang on and to touch that blind and he just prays over that blind. And something stirred in me Monday. And I really don't know what it was. But something stirred in me. Because I know what life does to all of us because I realize that that as we live and as we go through life that we will literally stuff emotional issues and 
tough times down within our spirits and, and we'll just go through life and, 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 and if we don't watch ourselves, we become so unhealthy in our thinking, thinking literally that we are healthy, but honestly, we're not healthy in our thinking because of all the stuff and junk and gunk that we've been through and we try to keep our lives right and we try to keep it healthy and we got hurt here and this happened to us and he and she said that and that one did that and that one left me and that one did this one and, and, and we go through all of these things in our lives and, 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 and trying to stay healthy and we feel like, well, I got that put behind me and then the next thing you know, I'm going through another tough time and the next thing, the very thing that comes up was the thing I thought I was over. Am I talking to anybody in the room today? The very thing that I thought I was over was the next thing that I have to deal with because emotionally I'm not healthy. I'm not saying I'm not healthy. I'm just saying, when that happens, you must identify that there's a health issue going on in your spirit life. And when are we as Christians going to get honest with God and say, God, I need help. Y'all are doing me just like the 9 o'clock did me. I'm telling you right now. <laughs> I know it's a little heavy, but hang on. Hang on, hang on, hang on. I wanna, can, can I dig? Can I dig for a while today? Can I just dig? Robbie, can I dig? Come on. I want to dig. I want to dig today. You say, well, preacher, preach something fun. Next week, next week, next week. Everybody say next week, next week. Turn to your neighbor and say, have you ever felt Christian burnout? You ever felt Christian burnout? How, how, how do Christians have burnout? How do you get there? Well, I've come to the conclusion that what happens in Christians that causes us to feel burnout is, is that our walk with God contradicts what He's called us to do. And I'm not talking about gross sin. I'm talking about I'm not listening and obeying. Because God answers, now you, God answers my prayer because of how I obey Him. It's not, oh, I'm saved, but how many of you have got a promise since you've been saved and God's saying, I have these things for you, I'm going to do these things for you, and then we get hung up in our own emotional issues, and when God says, do thus, we're like, okay, I'll get to that someday, maybe, God, I know, I, I was, I, I got to tell you one, I can, I, this is about me today, y'all just hang with me. I was running yesterday, and, and, and I started from the church, I ran down to 3rd Street, over to Triplet, down, all the way down to the Colonial House, turned around and came back, and well, I, I, I went by a church, a new church down there, and I'm telling you the honest to God's truth, that church name was uh, New Song, or something like that, it's down on Triplet, back in a little building back there on Triplet. And, and there, maybe they're watching. If you're the pastor, I tried to greet you yesterday. <laughs> and I was, I was running along, and I really felt like God said, I want you to go to there. I want you to meet this guy and at least pray for them. And so, you know what God said to me? He said, when are you going to start obeying me when I tell you to do something? Oh, Audrey said. Oh. When, when are you going to start obeying me when I tell you to do something? So I ran by New Song Church. And I was like, yeah, they're okay. I ran on by, and I went down to the cloning house, and I turned around, and I come back, and God said, I told you. So I go to the door, and the door's locked. Nobody's there. And God says, I'm just testing, see if you'd obey me. 
But I was going to go up and introduce myself to the pastor or whoever was there. It looked like there was a lot of cars there. It looked like there was someone there. And I wanted to do that. My point is to you guys today is, is that when's the last time God told you to do something and you obeyed Him immediately? Because some of us in this room today, we are thinking about why am I going and why am I in this place in my life with God and with my life, with my, with my relationships or my marriage or whatever it might be. And maybe God is trying to get you to obey Him and you just keep putting off, putting off, putting off what you know that you're eventually going to do because you want to do it, but you just haven't done it yet because you haven't gotten in the mood to do it because you're an emotional mess. Thank you, whoever that was. Because emotionally you're not there. Because you know that if you get into another relationship, you get into another thing, you don't know if you can deal with it or handle it. Why? Because emotionally you're not stable within who you are. You can't even deal with you, much less anyone else. Now have I got your attention. Now David finds himself in a place that he's frustrated, he's mad, he's angry, he's going through all of these emotions. And he begins to just be honest with God. When's the last time you were just honest with God in your prayer life? Because Christian burnout should never happen to a Christian if we are following after what it is that God's called us to do. Yeah, we get tired, but tiredness is not at a place of giving up. I'm, I'm giving up. It's just not going the way I want it to go. You know, that's another thing that I have found about Christians that have lived for God for any length of time at all. Is, is that we know how we want it done, and when it doesn't go our way, we don't deal very well with it. And the reason why oftentimes we don't deal well with change as Christians is because every time there's some change that needs to be taken place in our lives is because we've got so much baggage going on, another bit of change just pushes us over the edge, and change in that respect is just more than you want to deal with emotionally at the time. Why is it that, I'm talking about me. I, I, this is things I have to deal with within me. So I'm just talking about me. Now, if it hits you, that's awesome. But there are times in my life, it's almost like, you know, if there's another change that happens, I don't know how I'm going to deal with this because I feel like that I'm, I'm, spin, I'm spread out too thin now. And if something else comes along, how am I going to deal with that? And then you start to having other thoughts. And then you start thinking, well, if so-and-so wasn't pushing in this area, then if I could get, just get them out of my life. Have you ever started discarding people out of your life because they're pushing on you? Come on, somebody. I'm talking to every one of you right now, and I know it. Because I know how it goes. 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 You ought to, you ought to have about six, 700 people pressing on you on their opinion. And then we get to that place in our lives to whereby that if I could just, well, they, they, they wouldn't matter anyway. If they just ever come back to church, it wouldn't matter. Because I'm tired of dealing with them. Anybody in the room. But then there is life in that to whereby that regardless of what you're going through, maybe I'll get to this story today, I don't know. But, but in our lives, in our personal lives, each and every one of us, we, we get to that place that we get maxed out, and when we get to that place that we're maxed out, I mean, it's just like that, you know, I, I just can't, I can't go there, I can't do this, I can't help, I can't serve, I can't do that. Why? Because just one more thing really just pushes me past my comfort zone. And that's when Christian burnout begins to take place in our lives. 
Because we're no longer walking in the will and the obedience of God. Now we're walking in our own obedience as a Christian. Now, I want you to listen to me for a moment. Because there are some of us out there this morning that have been prayer warriors that you rarely pray for anyone other than God. Help me. Help me, God. Help me get past this. And when we do pray for other things, it's so general that there's no real word from God. It's just a general prayer, just like a shotgun, just sort of spraying everywhere. But there's no specifics being prayed that God's saying, now you're starting to speak my language. Some years ago, I was sitting in my prayer chair and I began to pray. And as I began to pray, God said to me, he said, now you're speaking my language. And it wasn't about speaking in tongues. It wasn't about gifts of the Spirit. No, it's just what I was praying. God was saying, now you're touching my heart. When's the last time when we prayed that we touched God's heart with our prayer? If your prayer doesn't move you, I promise you it does not move God. When's the last time your prayer moved you? I mean moved you to the place that you could really forgive somebody. To the place that whenever betrayal happened in your life, that you could begin to deal with it in a great way. And not just that it come to another place in our lives to whereby that whenever we get hurt, we go back to that place. It's not all about our dreams sometimes. It's about our storms sometimes. When we have no emotional affirmation in our lives. We must still know how to believe God. When we have no emotional... You need to write that one down. When we have no emotional affirmation in our lives, we still need to know how to believe God. Because you're not always going to have someone there with you to pat you on the back and say, my God, what a wonderful person you are. What a great job you have done. We ought to give you a trophy. Have you noticed that the church is sometimes the worst place in the world for affirmation? Especially when you think you need it the most. (laughs) I'll laugh with myself, I guess. (laughs) Oh, and then, and then someone does give you an affirming word and you're just like, who told you to say that? Let me lighten the mood a little bit. It's sort of like my wife. (laughs) Oh, yeah. She goes, oh, yeah, here we go. I love her to death. It's sort of like my wife. I I say, honey, you are beautiful today. When did you read something? Been listening to something? Somebody tell you to say something? (laughs) I say, can't you just take a compliment? No, you didn't mean it. <laughs> Any of you men feel me on that one? You know? Yeah, come on, Evan. Amen. Let's get back to the Word of God. Dealing with pressure. Psalm 55, verses 1 and 2 out of the NIV, dealing, David dealing with betrayal. He says, Listen to my prayer, O God, and, and do not ignore my plea. Hear me and, and answer me. My thoughts trouble me, and I am, in, I am distraught. In other words, what David is saying, David's saying, I am frustrated. When nobody around you has the answers for your frustration, you have no one else to lean on but God. For some, there are times in our lives that you're going to, and there are going to be more times than not, that you're going to be frustrated. And you're going to have to learn how to hear from God to get through your frustrations. 
Point number two, David number one, David was frustrated. Number two point, David was was thinking about isolation. Notice what he says in verses six through eight. He said, I said, oh, that I had wings as of a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. I would flee uh, far away and stay in the desert. I would hurry to my place of shelter far from the tempest and the storm. You ever just get sick of your current circumstances? I'm just going to fly away. I see oftentimes, I think it's funny, I smile when I see it, but I see people sitting on the beaches in Florida and they're going, I'm just going to stay here forever. I'm just going to stay there till you have to go to work. <laughs> Amen? If I could just fly far away. Have you ever felt like flying far away? If I could just get away, if I could just fly far away, boy, everything would be good. I could hide, I, I, could, I could move, I'll just move to Destin. I'll just move there. You know, I've learned over the years that leadership is not made in a conference, it's not made in a book, and it's not made in one service. Leadership is made through life and through pain and sorrow and having to deal with things. But whenever we lean into a risen Savior, and in that risen Savior, He begins to give us our hope, and He begins to, to make and mold us and keep us that we can become what He's called us to be. What are you trying to say today, Pastor? Well, I'm not real sure. <laughs> because I think I'm talking to me today. I'm not mad. Don't get me, don't get me wrong. But I'm just saying, isn't life funny? Isn't marriage funny? She's left me. I talk about her and she leaves. Isn't marriage funny? All you married people, all you singles, I love you guys. You're so awesome. But marriage is a different animal sometimes. Because now, I mean, I have to deal with a person sometimes that doesn't even like me. No, she may love me, but she doesn't like me at the moment. And I have to navigate those feelings and I have to navigate my feelings and her feelings and then I have to navigate my feelings after I leave her presence and then I go into the workplace or I come to the church and, well, my God, the emotions and when we're emotionally unhealthy anyway, how in the world do you navigate current emotions whenever your emotions from your past are not healed and you're not well there? How in the world do you do well in your current emotions whenever you've got all this mess in your life? that you haven't allowed God to deal with and, and you still got anger in you and you've got frustration in you from years gone by and issues that have gone on in our lives and, and we do want to fly away. We don't even want to confront or we don't even want to be with people. We want to isolate ourselves. Proverbs is very plain about isolation. He said a fool isolates himself. That's why you hear me every single service harp on small groups. If you are not in one, you need to be in one. And I know, you're, I know you're frustrated and I know you want to be isolated, but you can't, you can't, you can't, you can't. You've got to find people. I tweeted out yesterday, what would we do without people? Question mark. And then I said, be thankful, explanation point. Because this life is all about people, isn't it? I guess God really took me back to the place and, and this is what he said to my heart. It was almost like, Jeff, what would you do if you didn't have people tomorrow? I'd be like, my God. I would be miserable. Well, then what are you doing? What are you dealing with? Why emotionally? Why, why are you still letting somebody from 20 years ago mess with your heart? Because how can I help Jeremiah if my heart's messed up from 20 years ago? 
And then I bring that up here and I'm starting to trying to help Jeremiah and I can't help him because I'm still it, mad over something that happened years ago. Now I'm talking to some of us in the room this morning because I, I said it last week. I said, I, I pointed at Michelle, some of our, our wonderful counselors in the room. I said, I think people, I think the wonderful counselors become counselors. This is what it was, Chad, because they got their own issues. They're trying to work through their own issues. <laughs> Come on, Chad, give me five. Yeah. He works for the state. He's a counselor. I mean, he knows what I'm talking about. And isn't it the same way in all of our lives, though? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm not going to isolate myself. Kayla, I'm not going to isolate myself. I'm not going to do it. David said, if I could just fly away, I might be happy. I could possibly be happy if I could just fly away. And then there was a third thing that David had to deal with, and that was his anger. Anybody in here mad? Anybody mad today? You don't have to lift your hand. I'm just curious if you're mad in here today. You still mad? Whenever you hear a name, see someone at Walmart, do you get mad? That certain person. You know who they are. You know that person that you meet every once in a while at Walmart or Target, wherever you shop. You know that person. Verse number 9, it says, Lord, confuse. This is what David said in verse number 9. He said, Lord, confuse the wicked. Confound their words, for I see violence and strife in the city. And then in verse number 15, we drop down to that. It says, let death take my enemies by surprise. Let them go down alive in the realm of the dead, for evil finds lodging among them. In other words, what David, let's put up King James Version. King James Version says, let death seize unto them and let them go down quick into hell. What he was saying is, go to hell. I want them God. I want them to go to hell. That's how mad David was with the people that he was dealing with. I want Othophel and I want my own son Absalom. God, go to hell. Send him to hell. David was dealing with this type of anger. And then the fourth thing that we deal with with David is his hurt and his humiliation. His hurt and his humiliation. Have you ever been so hurt and so humiliated that it was just about to cost you everything around you with the people, the people that you love and care for? Hurt and humiliation. Whenever we begin to consider our lives and we begin to consider the humiliation and the hurt and the things that we go through, oftentimes it begins to cause us to have that close friend. How do I want to say? Um, we begin to analyze our friendships. And if we don't watch ourselves, we'll be that person. Now hear me, I'm going to close here in just a moment. If we don't watch ourselves, we'll find and we'll have that person in our lives to whereby that we, we start even the more isolating ourselves because now I'm humiliated and I don't need people anymore. I don't need people anymore. David was hurt. Maybe you're not David in the story. Maybe you're Absalom or Othophel. You ever notice that how that begins to change sometimes how that you maybe are the one that is hurt or hurting the other? Is that where you're at today? Well, I have the right to do that. Mm. At the end of the day, really all we have is what we say. At the end of the day, all we really have is what we say. Now notice with me as I begin to close in verse number 15 and verse number 16. It says, Let death take my enemies by surprise and let them go down alive into the realms of the dead and find their lodging among them. In verse 16, as I just read, As for me, I will call upon God and the Lord shall save me. Now what I want you to see here is I want you to see the mindset of David and how quickly it changes. How he's saying the one thing, let them go down. And then he says, But as for me, I am going to serve God and He shall save me. Pressure 
is always, write this down, pressure is always a call to humility. Pressure in your life is always a call to humility. Winston Churchill said it like this. He said, self-indulgence at times like this only helps the enemy. He was talking about World War II. I'm talking about spiritual enemies. Self-indulgence, whenever we're going through things like this, only helps the devil. Second thing David did said, he said, I will call to God and He will save me. Pressure is what God uses to make our legacy. Pressure is what God uses. You know, the, you know the, uh, how pressure in, on coal makes a diamond. That's how God makes diamonds out of us. He puts us under pressure. We have to go through things to find it. Turn to your neighbor and say, be thankful. Verse number 22, and I'm going to read one little thing from an unknown author, and I'm going to close this morning. Verse number 22 says, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. He will never suffer the righteous to be moved. You know what? You're going to make it. You really are going to make it. Just keep putting one foot in front of the other. One foot in front of the other. You need somebody in your life. Don't isolate yourself. Get rid of the anger. The pressure is only going to make you more powerful. I want to read something from an unknown author that I felt like yesterday as I read this. I thought, you know what? I'm going to add this to my message. I want you to listen. It's not going to be on the screen. The author said this. He said, I saw behind me those who had gone and before me those who are to come. I looked back and I saw my father and his father and all our fathers. And in front, my son and his son and the sons upon sons beyond. And then this is what got my heart. And then he said, and their eyes were my eyes. What was he saying? He's saying all of this time, back, forward, he's saying, my sons, when I looked at them, I saw my eyes in them. I saw my eyes in them. I saw my eyes in my, my dad. I saw my eyes in my dad. I saw my eyes in my granddad. I, I saw my eyes in my son. I saw my eyes. I read this in closing and conclusion because I want you to get this last point. And that is, what you don't want to see in their eyes, you got to get out of yours. So if you're hurt, if you're angry, if you're mad, if you're dealing with all kinds of junk and stuff, if you don't want it in their eyes, you got to get it out of yours. And it takes a real big person to search deep down far enough to say, you know what? I'm vulnerable and I have feelings and I've got issues that I'm holding on to from years ago. Mm. The pressure of brokenness. Because it's one thing to be broken, but it's another thing to feel the pressure of the brokenness. Because it's the pressure that comes with the brokenness that is the problem oftentimes because it's the pressure that causes me to do and say things 
that I wouldn't otherwise do, but because of the pressure that I have. Sometimes all we have is what we say. If you have a son or a daughter in this room today, and if you don't, and you very possibly will have at some point in time, what do you want to see in their eyes? And this is where I got, this was it. This is where I got to. And I'm closing, I promise. This is where I got to. I got to the place that, I guess really what made all this come about in my spirit was because I'm watching so many wonderful spiritual leaders take nosedives. I mean, they're just doing stupid stuff. And God said to me, if you'll stay thankful, if you will stay thankful for everything that I've done for you, it will keep you. It's gratitude. I'm going to do what I want to do. That's fine. That's fine. I'll be obedient when I want to be obedient. That's fine. That's fine. That's fine. But don't blame your offspring. Can I make it real? Don't blame them when they do stupid stuff. I knew you was going to look at me just like the 9 o'clock bunch did. Next Sunday, come by. Oh, it's going to be so good. I'm going to preach like the house is on fire. Come here, Bryce, if you don't mind. You're the only one. No, Jordan came back. He's here today. Yeah, he's up there. Spencer's in Washington, D.C. and Lyle's preaching in Nashville. But son, I want you to know something. If I die today, I want you to see clearly. I don't want you to have a bunch of messed up garbage within your spirit. And I don't want you to fall away from God because people do stupid stuff to hurt you. I want you to live your life with a clear vision. And people that have done me wrong, I want you to forgive them. You hear me? Yes, sir. Because I don't want you to be, I don't want your eyes to be faded. Can I tell you something? I, um, I don't know, should I tell it? I guess I'll tell it. I didn't mean to be funny, I'm being serious. I guess I will. <laughs> I don't want to say it, but now I got to. <laughs> Gave everything we had to pastor because I felt like God called us to that. Pulled people out of cars. Homes that didn't have electricity in them, no, wa no running water. Pastor them and disciple them. Teach them. Even to the place that now, they are, now they are pastoring. And now there are people that are leading other people because, not because of us, but because of what God did through us. And then come to a crucial time in our lives. 
Now, this is what I could hang on to, and this is what I've dealt with in a 40-day fast a few years ago, and God helped me and released me. I told you I didn't want to say it, but I'm up in the middle of it, and I'm going to have to say it. Because sometimes you got to be vulnerable. And, and I watched those same people that I was so connected to at a heart level, spiritually, whenever it really came to push to shove. I said, we don't want you here no more. <laughs> that was the exact words. You want to... How do, you, how do you go home and tell your wife that? No, I'm just saying. How do you do that without crushing them? And not only that, and having their heart stay right. I was driving down Byers some years ago. My wife was bawling like a baby for no apparent reason. I called Dr. Phil up and I said, Doc, we got some problems going on and I'm not sure yet what all it is. I didn't know if we were getting a divorce. I didn't know if we had problems I hadn't seen. You know what it was? It was hurt. It was anger. Talking about you again, sweet pea. Yeah. And you know what Dr. Phil said over the phone? Had Bluetooth in our car so we could talk to him through the car speakers. And he said, don't you make her go back. Don't you make her go back. Back where? Back to that place that we had built. Something happened to us that day. I really don't know how to describe it, but you've been through something just like that, only not in that term, on, in those terms. Yeah, I'm trying to be so transparent with you guys today because I want you healed. Am I okay, counselor? I'm, I'm maybe, maybe I'm healing me. don't you make her go back in something quick. I was like you can let go now you can let go now there's something in your life that you need to click it's okay it's okay to let go give yourself permission to let go are you hearing me Give yourself permission to let go. Because you cannot get it right until you seal off and shut the door. You got to shut the door. I want you to stand with me today and I want to pray over you. And I apologize for being so personal. Where you've come from has made you who you are. Don't ever forget that. And it's going to continue as long as you allow it. I want to pray over you right now, and I want to pray, and I realize what time it is, but I want to pray over you today.
that you have the courage to shut the doors of the things that are behind you and quit looking back into them and feeling loss and hurt and pain. Can I pray that for you? I want you to close your eyes and I want you to lift your hands all over the room this morning. And I want you right now, I want you just to believe with this prayer because all things are done through faith. The Bible says to we're two or three, two or three gathered together touching anything that he's right in the midst of that. And so I want to close some doors today. And then I want you to be so faithful. I want you to be so faithful. Lord, I pray now in the name of Jesus. I pray that the power of God move in this room today. And God, that I give these people permission through your obedience and through what you've spoken to me, I give them permission to shut the door. Shut the door. Shut the door. And all of these things begin to heal. And so Lord, I pray now in the name of Jesus, I thank you. I thank you for a word. I thank you for a fresh word. I thank you for healing words. God, because we are a healthy, healthy group of people. And I pray it so now in the name of Jesus. And everybody in the room said, in Jesus' name. Now clap your hands and love the Lord. God bless you guys today. Everybody smile now. Amen. It, doesn't, it, it feels good, but it's a little like, uh, doesn't it? Love you. Tomorrow night right here, celebrate recovery. Wednesday evening, church. God bless you. Hope to see you then. Love you. See you then in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today for this message. If God is impacting you through this ministry, join us in reaching others and investing today on our website or our smartphone application. And don't forget to subscribe so you can hear more messages like this one. And remember, we are here to grow the family of God.